Hello and welcome back to Conversations with Clearbell. The UK purpose-built student accommodation market is large, liquid and mature. However, with not all owners geared up for the capex and the intense asset management these buildings require, we have identified an opportunity in the refurbishment space, creating safe, welcoming and affordable homes for the growing student population. For this episode, Rob West is joined by two members of our Clearbell Every Student brand, Caroline Alexander and Tracy Duncan. Tracy is actually joining us from one of our assets, so please excuse the difference in sound quality. So over to Rob, Caroline and Tracy. So over the last 15 years at Clearbell, we've established a strong track record in operational real estate. And three years ago, we set up the Every Student brand, now has over 2,000 beds. And the exposure that we have to the sector has shown us that there's a really clear opportunity to grow this strategy uh, and take the platform to the next level. Just in a high-level terms, the student housing sector has become, in the UK, a large institutional-grade asset class. In fact, last year, with transaction volumes of around 7 billion, it was the same size as the whole retail sector. But unlike other sectors in the UK, student housing does not depend on GDP growth to drive returns. So it's defensive uh, in times of economic uncertainty, like the one we're currently in. Um, But it also has the ability to provide inflation protection with the rooms repriced on an annual basis. So again, really plays the current financial climate. The UK is a mature sector, but there's still an undersupply with around one bed to every two and a half students. In fact, we like the maturity because it means there are now first and second generation stock that requires refurbishment and repositioning. And importantly, we can buy that stock at around about 35% of replacement cost. And at that level, we can afford to refurbish to today's specification and also, importantly, let at affordable rents. And that's the part of the market we're really targeting here. We think affordable beds are where demand is growing fastest and where supply can really not keep up because of the fact you're buying so far below replacement cost. So what we want to do today is to introduce you to two key people on the ground in the Clearbell Every Student team. So Tracy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, morning. Um, my name is Tracy Duncan. I <clears throat> work with Clear Bell Every Student, um, providing um, support in acquiring and managing and redeveloping or refurbishing accommodation um, as we, we find opportunities. Um, working both at an operational level and with a a wide range of consultants and contractors in order to deliver um, what we need from the assets that we identify in the market that are suitable for our strategic aims and objectives. So Tracy, you're quite a star within the Clearbell team because you've been able to consistently deliver on time and on budget over the last two years. And as we know, it's been a really challenging market in which to do that. So that's really impressive. And it really speaks to your experience and your competence in this space. Um, thank you for that. It's a heavy mantle to carry. Um, 
and I'm continuing to try and, and deliver in that same way. It is increasingly challenging with um, headwinds in the market at the moment with increasing construction costs, with um, some of the challenges that we've got in the estate that we're acquiring, such as cladding issues, um, where there is a dearth of consultants that are able to deal with those issues. It's not always easy to find solutions quickly on time and on budget, um, but we are doing what we can to um, to keep on track um, and, and make sure that we, we stick within our business plan as when we've identified a front end um, and try and de-risk as much as possible what we're acquiring. And Caroline, turning to you now, in broad terms, if you could introduce yourself and outline the strategy, that would be really helpful. Sure. Um, so my name's Caroline Alexander, and I'm an analyst at Clearbill, and I work with every student on the modeling and BP analysis and the diligence of our seed assets that we currently own. And then I also work on the underwrite of the pipeline deals that we'll talk briefly about later in CASA. So Caroline, if I could just interrupt you there, what do we mean by CASA? Sure. So CASA stands for Clearbill Affordable Student Accommodation. Um, and casa in Spanish means home, which I think is actually a very fitting name because this accommodation will become the student's home for the time that they are at university. Um, the strategy behind casa, and Rob spoke a bit to this earlier, is to buy and invest in second generation stock from investors who are unable to reposition at a discount to market value to also provide affordable beds in the growing demographic, which we will speak more to later on. And the great thing about buying at below replacement cost is that by definition, you can't increase supply. So that's really good in terms of, of capping that side of the equation. Um, but it's not just about buying cheaply. It's also about producing quality stock so that we need to be investing in this space to create the right sort of environment for the homes that you've just talked about. So Tracy. What are we doing to deliver that quality? I mean, I think that some of the challenge at the moment is finding the right opportunities. Um, as Caroline mentioned, it's about getting our hands on the right opportunity that hasn't been well managed or the, the current owner has lost interest. Um, finding them at the right price at the right time um, and then putting investment in together with good management practice around um, and building strong relationships with universities who are very focused on accommodation. So if we get it right and we we invest cleverly in the assets, looking at things that students highly value, such as larger beds where we can fit them in, um, good and clean showers, decent kitchens, TVs potentially, which went out of vogue, but actually we think there's value in creating community spirit within the accommodation. So we, we focus on two things, I suppose. We focus on regulatory side, um, which at times when we're picking up the assets um, that we are looking at, because they are secondary, they're a little bit unloved, and they can come with some regulatory issues, which we focus on very strongly to make sure they're compliant, first and foremost, safe. Um, and secondly, then picking up on the, the items that are important to the student. A nice room, it's functional, it's affordable. Um, and actually that plays into something that's very important to students at the moment, which is that affordable price tag. Um, 
in recent surveys, mental health issues that students have been um, highlighting is largely to do with um, cost of living. And their bigger concern, other than their studies, is how they get by on a daily basis and can actually afford to live. And therefore, our strategy, if we come back to the strategy point, is ideally placed at the moment because we both tap into that mental health arena that the students are living through. Plus, we tap into the universities um, that we are investing in in the towns. We're, we're tapping into one of their key criteria, which is being able to provide affordable accommodation that is safe, legal, um, but at the right price to attract students to their to their campuses. There's a lot of competition across the market at the moment from um, all universities trying to get the students through the door. And a good number of them, by a considerable number, offer first year placement um, into accommodation. So we've got opportunities there because we're singing from the same hymn sheet to pick up nominations agreements with universities because we're at that bottom quartile, affordable end of, of the market. Um, and therefore, for a number of different reasons, we are, we are just in that right sweet spot at the moment. Tracy, you flagged a number of issues there, including the social aspect, which we'll come back to later, as well as the wider ESG benefits. And I think you also picked up another key point, which is buying at the right price. And are we able to buy the stock at 35% below replacement cost to deliver this strategy? So, Caroline, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about where we are on the pipeline. So we have a very strong pipeline comprising of about 4,000 beds over eight different investments, which are under control. And then we also have some identified investments in the pipeline of an additional three and a half thousand beds. So there's lots of stock out there and it all really fits into the CASA strategy. Uh, yeah, Karen, I think, I think it's not entirely true to say there's a lot of stock out there. I think you as a team have been really good at identifying the right opportunities. I think we've got very strong relationships across the sector, um, both with consultants, um, with existing owners um, and operators. And as a result of the, the, the very strong um, relationship that myself and um, our, our other director actually has in the market, we're getting opportunities brought to us now. Um, whereas we were having to knock down doors we are getting off-market transactions coming our way, um, which is clearly the way that we want to acquire if we can. Um, anytime stock comes to market, it can trade at a higher value than we would want to pay. And we are into competition, and that's not really the game that we want to play because it takes you down a path of paying more than you actually want to because we're not repositioning. We're not going in and doing wholesale refurbishment like some of the competitors who are then rebasing the rents, pushing it up, taking it out of the affordable bracket. So therefore, it's very important that we we buy cleverly. And actually, we're, we're finding um, with patients, investors who are trying to divest, go out, are sold a, a very good story by their agent that they're going to make an absolute mint. It goes around the houses, they fall out, it comes back to us at second or third ask because they haven't found a suitable buyer elsewhere. That's a good point. And that's something that we've been going back to um, over the last 15 years. 
In fact, some of the best deals we've done over that time has been what the Americans call a busted auction. Uh, it's a great source, particularly uh, in times of uncertainty like now where, where the market is really wobbling and you've got a chance to pick something up after it's really failed to sell on a number of occasions. So it's great to hear that you're, you're doing that here too. Well, I also think, Rob, the challenge at the moment with um, increased financing costs is also putting a bit of strain on the market. So if you've got very deep pockets, um, you can probably make it at the moment, but not everyone's in that position uh, to take the opportunities that are going to be presented over the next short while. And I think there'll be some operators who might be operating the margins at the moment coming up for refinancing their, their existing transactions that then can get it back into bank funding, which will also come to the market, um, which we keep very close tabs on to, to make sure we don't miss any opportunities that are presented in distress, because that often gives us an, an added opportunity. Yes, that's quite right. Um, and so, Caroline, just to change that slightly, if we could look at the demographics, um, because clearly everyone is aware that the UK has an ageing population. But why are we therefore focusing on the other end of the demographic scale? What's the position in terms of the prospects over the next few years for student age people? Um, so there is a huge expected demographic bulge of about 17% in the 18 to 20 olds population by 2032, which is around 390,000 student increase on current levels. Um so with the demographics really changing, we will see a rise in 18 to 22-year-olds wanting to study. Um, additionally, the high education entry rate of about 46% of young people under 21 is also expected to translate into a substantial increase. So the prospects are really strong at this end of the demographic scale. So that, that deals with domestic students. But what about overseas students? Has COVID and Brexit combined to kill that 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 part of the market off? No, I don't believe it has. Um, it may have changed it slightly, but it hasn't killed it. Um, we, we're seeing quite a shift in demographic of overseas students. There are a large number of um, African students coming for postgrad top courses, um, largely driven by chemical engineering plants being um, developed in Africa. Um, by the Chinese largely, um, and they want an educated workforce. So with our strength in engineering, um, a lot of the smaller universities who are ex-polytechnics, who focus on that hands-on um, taught course, are actually um, soaking up quite a lot of this, this demand. Um, we're seeing that as well from the Indian demographic. Um, there's a, a large number of Indians that um, middle income Indians that are now coming to our shores as well. And the Chinese are still back. Um, they're coming back in larger numbers again. It took longer for them to reopen their boundaries um, and get people back on flights. As we all know, China was still closed, um, but they are starting to migrate back into the country. And there are still people coming from, from Europe. But um, actually, we're focusing on largely students domestic students because most operators at the moment are focusing at that high-end um, top quartile um, and looking for the big bucks and actually it's a small market so I think
think it, it plays back to the fact that our strategy is the right one at the moment. And I guess that Nigerian students are a bit more price sensitive than Chinese students. Definitely. So Tracy, I said I'd get back to the ESG point, uh, and you went into some detail in terms of the social aspect, but we're clearly concerned about the sustainability of our buildings uh, as well as a key priority and future-proofing them particularly so that when we come to sell in five years' time, we're meeting the right EPC targets. So what are we doing about that? Um, so at, at the front end, we are looking at where the, the assets currently sit um, and assessing what we need to do in order to drive um, the ratings up to A stroke B. Um, and this will include pricing in um, LED lighting, um, changes to heating, we're improving hot water cylinders and adding in um, time clocks and, and smart smart kit into um, the, the m e to drive through reductions in both um, cost, which is important, but also drive through um, improvements in, in reduced energy consumption, which together with making sure buildings are going to water type, which we've got priced in checking windows work, that they open, that they close, that they're, um, that they're doing the job that they're meant to do. Um, all adds into improved EPC ratings, but that is all factored into our, our front-end assessment of the assets to make sure that we are future-proofing. We're also looking at Southampton, for example, as a good case of point where um, I identified there's an opportunity for solar, um, and we've got a very large solar um, installation program ongoing there, which will benefit from an EPC perspective, um, but also from a reduction in energy costs for 10 to 15%. Um, now, it lends itself brilliantly because we've got a massive engine shed in the, in the campus. We're not all going to be like that, but we are still looking cleverly at what we can do, whether it's a domestic PV system, so that we can still benefit, even though um, they're not necessarily all going to be smart metered. But even just the heating systems and changing it where we can onto a, a managed electric heating system makes a big impact in terms of student management and managing down your costs and energy take, which is really the key criteria at the moment. I think the other thing from an EPC point of view, which or an environmental perspective, which isn't in the thinking at the moment and has to come into thinking at some point, is the invested carbon. So we're buying assets with carbon. We're not getting any credit for that at the moment. And that has got to come because there is a real drive not to storm in and demolish. But there's no way to capture that at the moment or get any points. Or, um, But we're keeping a, a watching eye on that because we do believe that something is going to come and we will then get the benefit. Yes, I think that's a, a massive factor that we're seeing across all our portfolios and something that we're really focused on. As we've said before, the greenest building is the one that already exists. And I think on that note, I'd like to thank Caroline and Tracy very much for joining me today and giving us an update on our CASA opportunity. Thank you again for listening to Conversations with Clearbell. Don't forget that if you have a topic that you wish to be discussed or you want more information on a previous subject, you can email conversations at clearbell.com. And if you like this podcast, make sure you like and subscribe so you are notified every time a new episode is released.